the gastroenterologist sort of said to me at that point, you're very lucky because between six to 30% of people that contract what you had actually die. So that was probably the, the, the light bulb moment for me is that there is a tomorrow and everything's going to be okay. But what do I learn from the experiences that I've had? This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with the director of Vista Group and Associates, Mark Heritage. We'll delve into his journey including how he came to direct multiple successful businesses and we'll hear about his life-changing moments such as a marriage breakdown and contracting medically induced bacteria that propelled him forward. In his everyday life, Heritage is kept busy by helping investors achieve their property goals. I'm the director of Vista Group and Associates, uh, Proprietary Limited and we have two businesses. Um, We have Vista Property Buyers uh, and we also have Ugrow Investments. So they're two completely different business but linked to property directly and indirectly. So in terms of what we do, the, the, the mainstream business of ours is linking investors looking for high growth on their capital with small to medium enterprise needing money fast. So effectively, we're peer-to-peer lenders, just creating opportunities for investors to grow their capital base securely in a different way or a way in which they may not even know that is possible. That's uh, that's our Vista Group and Associates. Now, a lot of, uh, sorry, that's our um, um, Ugrow Investments. So that's, in terms of the Ugrow Investments, uh, a lot of people ask, well, why would they come to us and not go through mainstream finance? You know, we're dealing with directors and that are credit impaired, uh, businesses that need money fast, uh, different purposes as to why banks won't lend, such as ATO debts, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we screen, you know, qualified mortgage brokers, um, certified uh, in that manner and also licensed real estate agents. So it's very important for us to conduct our due diligence to uh, ensure that the borrower has the right information. Um, We are dealing either under the code or outside the code depending on what purpose the lend is for and what entity is actually looking to borrow the funds. So it's just a creative way to make money and deliver upon uh, a, a you know, an opportunity, I suppose, where a borrower needs money fast and can't source it uh, through mainstream avenues. Let's take a step back in time and discover where Heritage grew up. So I'm, I'm originally from Bendigo, Tyrone in, in central Victoria, a beautiful little town going through uh, major growth and has, has gone through major growth recently uh, and will continue to growth growth for the next uh Oh, they're foreseeing 30, 30 odd years. You know the the current population that in the area is around one hundred and twenty. They're forecasting near two hundred thousand people within thirty years. So that's significant infrastructure change and service changes required in that area, such as you know similar to Geelong and, and Ballarat and these sorts of regions as well. So that's that's a bit of uh, my background. So educated in in Bendigo and then moved to Echuca and lived there for 18 years, worked for a global giant and worked my way through the organization. Heritage's role in this organization was very different to what he does today. 
We're in manufacturing, fast-moving consumer goods, so very dynamic environment. And, um, you know, it does take its toll. And when you're manage, managing such a large group of people with the dynamics of that type of environment, that's where I sort of said I lost the desire. I lost the passion for what I was doing. Not the people, but the process. Um, so I just need, needed to discover a little bit about myself, which we'll go into later on, but also find something of a niche that, I could really specialise in and and support, grow myself, but also add value and add some services to other people to, you know, that may or may not be in a similar situation to where I was once upon a time. After 10 years at this organisation, Heritage lost his passion and knew that he had to make a change. Was looking for some alternatives to continue to um, develop myself and educate myself to one day be able to leave that organisation and, and, and do something myself that I'm really passionate about. Um, you know, I, I think from that point, once I made that decision, uh, the rest was pretty easy. Uh, and what I find a lot of people struggle with is they get to a particular point in their job or in their work as an employee and they think of all their current financial situations and how hard it can often be to make that change and what's involved although they see other people do it they think well the safety net for me is to just stay where I am and just accept that that's part of my life and that wasn't wasn't me that's not who I am I'm all about personal development and growth so I went out and I pursued um, a vendor finance background I, I pursued um, you know upskilling up myself in, in renovations, upskilling myself in property, getting my head around finances, all these sorts of things. And I quickly developed a skill set where, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, I'd put together vendor finance transactions, option deals, joint venture deals, all often in the one deal within itself. So, you know, how I catapulted in or springboarded into that was surrounding myself with a very close group of people that I trusted. Now, a great question I often get asked is, well, how, how did you get to that point? Um, and, it, and it's a fantastic question because everyone has a different answer. But for me, it was asking questions of individuals. And for me, questions are the answers. And I'll continue to ask questions every day because that's how I grow and learn. But that was pretty much for me, uh, linking myself within networks in those, in those fields of property and continuing to dig down and drill down to see what people have actually done, see what they're actually doing today and see what they're planning to do for the future and what their actual motivation in wanting to do something with me actually is. So that was a few few key components for me. It takes a lot of courage to make a career change. For Heritage, life gave him the push that he needed. All our stories are different but mine was sort of, uh, you know, I'd, I'd been through a marriage breakdown and that was one thing and then within three months I contracted a, a medically induced bacteria that almost killed me within three months. So I had a massive sort of six-month period where I was in intensive care looking at liver transplants, these types of things and I was a very fit athletic sort of guy that always prides himself on doing the right thing and training every day and you know, the gastroenterologist sort of said to me at that point, you're very lucky because between 6 to 30% of people that contract what you had actually die. So that was probably the, the, the light bulb moment for me is that there is a tomorrow and everything's going to be okay. But what do I learn from the experiences that I've had? Um, and from that moment uh, moving forward, knowing once I return to full health and living a healthy lifestyle every day and being connected with myself, uh, I knew everything would be okay. 
because I have a lot to offer. I have skill sets uh, that I've developed over a period of time through multiple renovations. And me and my previous business business partner, we'd we'd completed uh, thirty odd uh, renovation projects combined. And you know, there's a significant amount of experience and skills that you develop, not just in doing the renovations and outsourcing and these types of things, but it's the negotiations, it's the sourcing, it's knowing what questions to ask of selling agents or vendors directly, these types of things. So that's where I add the value for my clients as part of Vista Property Buyers. And, um, you know, I work with a very select group of individuals right now that want me to source and secure property and negotiate the, you know, the terms for them. But I'm looking to expand that aspect of my business as well as uh, continue to grow the UGrow Investments aspect from the peer-to-peer lending perspective. Let's explore Heritage's property investing journey and how it started. Well, I was still working full-time um, in a job that I'd lost a desire for. So I, I'd started to um, you know, just talk to people. And, you know, the, the, the person I connected with at the time was uh, an old school colleague. We, we met at a, a reunion and we sort of just had a discussion around, you know, where we're at in our life and what had transpired and what really, you know, the next chapter could look like. And, and you know, there was a lot of there's a lot of alignment there and synergies within what we were what we were both doing. So we embarked upon a journey together for a period of time, you know, almost five years. And and that sort of led us through to the point where, you know, we'd we'd upskilled ourselves in renovation, um, vendor finance, to the point where we obtained our, you know, real estate agent license. Um, then we went down the, the private lending aspect of, you know, we were stuck in a project once where we purchased a property at auction and had commitment from the bank to give us the money. And then we found that instead of them giving us 80% to do what we needed to do, they're only going to give us 65%. So we were 15% short. So we thought, creative hat on, what are we going to do? Uh, so we, we sourced a professional in, investor and uh, got a private lender in for a six-month period, gave them a 15% secured return, and they were, they were stoked because we'd turned that property over and sold within four months and still had their 15% locked in. So it was even an even better return for the, uh, for the investor. But, you know, that's what leads you down one path to sort of think, well, okay, if I'm in a liquid cash position or if I've got cash sitting on the sidelines, instead of it sitting in an offset account, saving me 4.5 to 5% interest, switch the mind to say, well, how can I actually get that money to work for me rather than save for me? And what can I do with that securely, even if it's not the full amount, even if it's a portion of that, how can I do that? Or what can I do with it? So, yeah, that's what sort of led us to the point where we thought, well, how can we do that? What do we need to do? So we went out and got our cert for in finance and mortgage broking and conducted multiple transactions. And, you know, we've done over 40 odd um, business loans over the last 18 months. And that's been a fantastic experience and growth opportunity for us. Um, and now that's a pure focus of mine, um, along with uh, the next phase of or chapter of uh, looking to grow the Vista property buyers uh, business as well. Heritage's business have now been operational for some time now. It did take us a little while to establish ourselves and, and, and get active in the marketplace. So we were conducting our own renovation projects and that was providing it, proving difficult to focus on growing our business while we were knee deep in projects and on tools most days, if that makes sense, Tyrone. So it was, it was pretty tough 
to grow our brand and our position and and our and our identity you know whilst we were whilst we knee deep in earning chunks of money uh, without focusing on how can we provide cash flow um, and, and build cash flow position and and still focus on those chunk deals as well with an increase of competition regarding business loans Heritage finds it crucial to establish long-term relationships with clients. There's always um, more, more and more competition coming to the to the business loan space uh, as as time goes on. There's there's a massive niche and an opportunity there, particularly with APRA tightening lending policy and banks accordingly, uh, looking to uh, reduce the risk or their portfolio size for investment. So. It makes it's making it tougher for developers and people to get money from mainstream sources. So there is a growing market um, looking to provide business lending. Um, for us, it's it's a matter of working with repeat clients uh, that know our process and also understand that we are looking for them to actually grow from this scenario, not just our investors. Uh, so it's it's all about you growing as as an individual investor. Or entity, and it's all about the business growing, um, so we can, you know, establish that long-term foundation relationship that's very important for us in terms of our business. To be able to have funding for investors, Heritage's business uses their own cash. So we're in a good position that we can put forward our own cash into investments, but that's a side note, and the main mainstream reason for us getting into this space is to is, is that we saw benefit in putting money securely into those types of investments and securing it against real estate as either a first or a second mortgage position registered against title so we thought well why don't we open those sorts of opportunities up to investors looking for good solid growth securely uh, and we're talking anywhere between can be 10 to 15 percent per annum now you know, as you're aware, Tyrone, you know, the banks are offering, you know, two, two and a half, maybe three percent per annum. So it's it's just something something else out there without actually owning property directly where you can control property. Because if you go into a transaction and you're looking to lend money for a six month period and everything's cruising along until the expiry comes, and for some reason the borrower doesn't pay the money back, we have options up our sleeve because we're registered against title. We have some control over that asset. So although we continue to work with the borrower and we're not uh, debt collectors, we need to uphold our position because it is a business transaction. So that's where we have the control aspect to secure our locked-in position of of that that set return. You know, and obviously beyond that six-month period, uh, if if things don't transpire or settle on time, we have a default rate that kicks in for the investor as well. So their money is continuing to work for them until settlement occurs. The return on this type of funding is usually higher and so is the risk involved. Some people love to get out there and throw everything they got at everything and you know others are more conservative and like to assess the risk, conduct their due diligence and do all those sorts of things that we put forward, you know, for the investor for consideration in every transaction we'll conduct the due diligence and put a proposal to the investor. Um, and you know it it all depends on what you uh, are comfortable with at the end of the day in terms of your risk profiling and a lot of people don't even know that so it's for us it's basically questions of the answer so just digging a little bit deeper into their situation and understanding their investment strategy and why they're looking to do something as such because you know a lot of people may come with ten thousand dollars they might, might may come with a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars and we'll, we'll assess that and say well, okay based on you know say for example your hundred thousand dollar position 
what are you comfortable with putting forward in that? And and they might say 50 or 80,000. And we might say, well, okay, let's, for your first transaction or your first investment opportunity, why don't we revise that down to 50% of what you're comfortable with? Or out of the 100, let's say 30,000, 40,000. So we can build some build some confidence and assurance in the process so you understand that moving forward and see the benefit that it's actually adding to your to your life uh, rather than throwing the hundred thousand dollars in and really not fully understanding the process and not conducting full due diligence um, you know we're trying to educate the investors as well to be in a position where they've got full control over their not just their assets, but also their liquid cash position, because that's what really can help them compound uh, to a position of you know, potential retirement or growth a lot sooner. We've heard about how Heritage got involved with property investment. Now, let's explore his why. Well, I suppose for me, it's about I'm very much a numbers person, you know, I'm not emotive with uh, with property, you know, to me it's just a vehicle or a money tap that can be generated, you know, multiple ways. But for me it was about, well, what do the numbers tell you? And, and I started putting numbers together and that's a lot of my background in, in analysis type work and continuous improvement. Um, so for me it was a, a no-brainer really when you get to the point where people are looking at property because 90% of people I find are so emotionally attached to certain deals uh, and, and the first question you ask is okay do you have finance pre-approval or what are the numbers telling you and the answer is no and no or yes and no um, th- there's just no alignment so for me it was pretty straightforward that you know if you're purchasing a property you know, the traditional method, you know, factoring in your stamp duty, factoring in, you know, your capital gains tax if you're flipping property, your renovation costs plus a bit more because it's always going to eventuate. And then knowing your knowing your target market and exit point uh, is very important because people get so fixated, I find, on, well, what are we going to pay for it? You know, for me, it's about working the other way, seeing the potential in the property every time you inspect it to see where you can create or manufacture that growth to say, well, okay, if I do this or if I do that, how long is it going to take me? Who's going to be required and how much money is going to be required? And at the end of the day, what may that look like in a sales price? And then build all those calculations in and work backwards to say, okay, for all that and to make a chunk of cash out of it that I'm happy with, whether it be 10% or 20% or 30%, profit what does the entry price need to be and if i if i go into that if i go north of that at any stage through negotiations i'm jeopardizing and putting at risk my position or my profit because you know it's it's very very easy to say okay we'll buy it for this without actually knowing that endpoint based on proven market statistics and comparables in that area because if we're in something for six to 12 months, we don't know what's going to change in that period of time. Market could grow or, or it could retract. We just, it's just the unforeseen sort of thing. That's where, for us, the option deals have been fantastic. The joint venture deals have also been fantastic, where you're working with a partner that can bring something to the deal, not just because you like that person or you see what they do. Um, sometimes it's good to learn, but you also always really want to, ensure that whoever is involved in your joint venture transactions are actually adding some form of value or skill set that you don't have. And that's been pivotal to all our 
all our uh, joint venture deals that we've conducted. Within every investment transaction, Heritage believes that there is a valuable lesson. I think if you look back through the different transactions, you'll find multiple if you choose to find them. A lot of people choose not to, but in every transaction of ours, has everything gone to plan? No, it hasn't. Have some worked? Yeah, absolutely. And have some not? Absolutely. Have we lost money out of a transaction? Yes, we have. Um, so it's about, and th- th- these are early days. So we've built the process and understanding and changed the mindset and all these sorts of things to a point now where you are basing everything on logic and absolutely nothing on emotion. And, uh, you know, early days when I was getting started, I was looking for property. I found something with a big backyard. I just went ahead and decided to do things and, you know, this is going to be good. You know, let's let's look at purchasing something like that because in time we should be able to do this, that and that, the other, you know, without really looking at precedence in the area, without really looking at the council plans for the zone, these types of things. So very important to understand what the council is doing, what the vision for the region is over what period of time, what's actually happening, uh, what's forecast to happen. And these are the types of dynamics we look at uh, when making current investment decisions um, ourselves and for clients is to uh, see what's actually driving that market. There's some deals that were put together based on, as I said, purchase on a motion where you you purchase a property under a joint venture arrangement and then all of a sudden um, the, the the zoning or council regulations don't allow you to do what you thought you could do. So not conducting thorough due diligence. And, you know, then once mindful of that, turning the property over and not not losing a lot of money from it, but by the time you pay your stamp duty and pay your agent's costs on exit within a period of time, and if the market hasn't gone up, as, as, in, as in this case, you know, you, you can often be ten to twenty thousand dollars out of pocket. You know, and we're talking properties in the three to four hundred thousand dollar range, not three to four million dollar range. Otherwise, it could be totally different. So those experiences early days um, were very important. You know, even renovation projects where you you know you expect to be, you know, spending ten thousand dollars quickly turns into thirty thousand dollars because of all the unforeseen, you know, problems with the laundry, the water, the plumbing, the you know the termites in the wall that weren't identified. Uh, these sorts of things. So that just diminishes your project to walk away with, you know, maybe $5,000 after six weeks of hard work as opposed to $40,000. So there's been all those types of experiences and, um, you know, that's why now when representing clients from a Vista property buyer's perspective and we're buying property, you know, the main thing is not just the vision and the strategy or sourcing and securing the right property. It's about understanding, firstly, what condition is the property in? So getting the professional building and pest inspection, that's that's paramount, getting an electrical inspection um, based upon the building inspector's report and then being able to determine, well, okay, we, we know that that's clear. We know that the plumbing, the situation, everything is right. Um, there's nothing scary. There's no moisture around. We're comfortable moving forward to submit an offer. But without that building and pest inspection, it creates some uncertainty and you know, if, you, if you're investing with uncertainty, um, to me, it's purely emotive driven and it just doesn't make sense. And that's only through experience you learn that. Although there are lessons to be learned in every investment, that doesn't mean that they're not a success. Heritage shares one of its biggest property investment success. The main one I can sort of think of is the property 
that was featured in the uh, Australian Property Investor magazine back in uh, November last year was a property where high level, you know, we, we made net $130,000, which was secured within five days of starting the actual project. Up until that point, the negotiations took some time. Um, so we had a dilapidated pro uh, property, a joint venture partner got in touch with us. We built a plan together and we were bringing something to the table in terms of finance and negotiations and they were bringing the sourcing of the property to the table as well as being able to add value with managing trades and doing the works required on the property so you know going back to that we built a plan based on an inspection report based on opinions of sales agents in the area uh, because it, we weren't familiar with, or I wasn't familiar directly with that area, so I was relying upon not just my, my joint venture partner, but also conducting my own due diligence and engaging other professionals that could uh, help me in making a decision with what would be best in this scenario. So at the end of the day, we expected to be in this thing and it was, it was in terrible condition and the photos in the article actually demonstrates that but we look to just clean the basics of it up, leave the full renovations, painting, cleaning, polishing the floorboards, replacing kitchens, everything to the next person coming through. So we wanted to sell it as a, as, as a renovator's delight. Now we got, so that was going to make us about $80,000, uh, sorry, $50,000 within uh, two weeks of cleanup work. That was, our, that, was, that was our target, which is fantastic. Absolutely fancy. You would not be disappointed with that. So, so, so we got we got into the project, and once we cleaned everything out and filled two container loads full of stuff that was inside and outside of the property, we realised that structurally the property was very good. Um, we realised that it wasn't going to cost us much time and much more money or capital to actually fix this thing up ourselves. So we, we changed tact and we thought, well, okay. We've we've actually had a private lender come into this option deal under you know under a joint venture. So it was a joint venture deal between us and, and the joint venture partner to secure the deal. Uh, we put it under option with the vendor or, or the landlord at the time, and then we had uh, a, a vacant possession, and we engaged a money lender to provide the funds required to work on it. And that at that point it was going to be about. Ten to fifteen thousand dollars to clean it all up, skip hire trades, you know, commercial cleaning, these types of things, and and wages. And then we found out that partway through, two days later, in fact, that we'd filled up two skip loads, and we we're at a point where we could extract more than this. And uh, if we spent another ten thousand dollars, so you know, we had the potential to get up to you know two ten to twenty thousand maybe even slightly more. So we engaged with our private lender, had a discussion around what we wanted to do. They increased their position. They were happy with the outcome. And further to that, we had conversation with the next door neighbour because there was no running water or power on site. So we touched base with them, said, look, we'll give you some money. And is it okay if we run a court over the back fence, blah, blah, blah. We expect to be here for two weeks. They were more than accommodating because they wanted the property fixed up because it was an eyesore in the street. So we'd uh, we'd been down that track and cut a long story short, within two days, the people from next door had come in and had a look at the property, although it was unrenovated at the time, just cleaned out. They said, we're interested to buy the property. 
So it, it was fantastic for us that that property was under contract within five days of actually starting. Now, I said to my, said to my JV partner, what would you be happy with? And he sort of said, look, if we can get 210 now before, you know, we'll renovate it and finish the job off. But if we can get that, we'll be stoked. So, you know, I, I went to work and I sort of done my due diligence further, spoke to some local agents around, you know, fully renovated sales price for that type in that area. Uh, give me some comparables, look at what we need to do to get it to that level. And they come back at 240, et cetera. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. So what I negotiated with the neighbours is that if we could lock it in under contract at 230000 uh, the deal's done. How do they feel with that? And basically they said, let's do it. So we got the contract preparation done and I went back to the JV partner and said, look, you were happy with 210, you know, I think we can get a little bit more than that. And he said, well, $1,000 or two, you know, it'd be fantastic. I said, look, we've got it under contract, 230,000, the deal's done. And, it, you know, it was it was happy days because, you know, we've gone from offloading this thing for 150 to a renovator who would go in and do all the job. You know, we've extracted another $80,000 out of this project for $10,000 spend uh, and, ex- and an extra two weeks of work. So that's where you get back to your point, you know, was there an aha moment or yes, absolutely. Plans can change sometimes for the for good and sometimes, you know, not so good. But this was a real moment where if you've got a plan, stick to it, yes, but be open to suggestions and be open to different ways of looking to do things. If you see an opportunity and you're not sure how to go about it, ask someone. You know, always seek out help that where, where people or professionals that you can trust can add some value. Take some photos, put it on Facebook groups, do these types of things because you may be cutting yourself short. Coming up after the break, we'll explore Heritage's investment strategy. An option uh, for us has worked quite effectively because it gives us control of the asset without actually owning it. We'll delve into what was holding Heritage back and how he changed his mindset. Because I think we all ask ourselves, well, what's holding me back? We'll hear about the personal habits that contribute to his success. And for me, it's you know, my anti-aging method is high intensity uh, interval training and, and I train every day. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. To find success in property investment, it is important to find a strategy that works for you. For Heritage, a key strategy is granting options. An option uh, for us has worked quite effectively because it gives us control of the asset without actually owning it. Um, so, so we're avoiding stamp duty, um, capital gains tax, these types of things from a transaction. So legal title doesn't transfer from us. Uh, so, sorry, from the from the vendor to us, unless we exercise that option. Now, that option can consist of, you know, it can be a, a 30-day option, it can be a 60 60-day option, it can be a six-month, 12-month option, whatever time frame you define and negotiate with with the vendor um, is the is the actual option deed um, time frame. So, uh, there there will be an option fee. Um, you know, for us, there needs to be a deed. So, you know, whether it's a dollar or whether it's a thousand dollars, depending on the situation of the vendor, 
Uh, and once again, it just questions are the answers. You'll you'll understand the motivation of the vendor. Um, a lot of times we work with agents that uh, aren't too sure of the situation of the vendor because they don't ask the questions. They're just there to sell the property and that's okay. That's what they're employed to do. But when you get to the level of understanding the motivation, sometimes there's some flexibility around getting the result. And dealing with the vendors directly is a really powerful uh, method or strategy for investors looking to do something in property because it can be quite creative. And whether it's an option or whether it's a joint venture deal with the actual vendor looking to sell the property, it can be as simple as, you know, like we've done in the past is is instead of an option deal, we, we go in and do a, a joint venture with the, the actual vendor who's looking to sell. We'll spend our money, our capital, we'll protect that with a caveat. And basically upon sale of the property, we've increased the value to a certain point. So above a, a certain level, which we'll agree on a price before we start, as an example, it might have been $300,000 before we started our renovation. Uh, we'll spend a certain amount, say in this case $10,000, and the property sells for $340,000. You know, the vendor is getting their first $300,000. They're paying the actual agent's commission and the marketing costs. We've put in $10,000 and we've profited $30,000 from the transaction. So that's how the joint venture can work um, and secure it against the actual title. But the option is is also quite powerful uh, as well. So there's a number of ways in which you can do it creatively with uh, very little money down and controlling the asset without actually owning. Uh, but, but the option, they're definitely a powerful method. Um, you need to you need to be mindful that different states have different laws around options and stamp duty and these types of things. Um, so that's up to the individual to consider at the time or seek advice out. But uh, for us, it's always been the best method or strategy to invest because often we've done it with none of our own money. And particularly in the case of the API article, that was none of our own money. That was all investor cash put into the deal. And all it was was our negotiations and our time required to extract that outcome. After discovering the strategy that works for him, Heritage continues to use it in many of his deals. We're actually negotiating, negotiating one right now in, in Bendigo um, with a distressed client. But what, what I'll do is I won't go through the finer details of that one because that's not uh, that's not complete. But if I go back to the Adelaide uh, South Australian deal we, we completed um, uh, at the end of last year, it was um, a an option deal where the client was in distress. Um, it, it was an unencumbered property, so there was no debt, so no mortgagees, which is fantastic because you're not dealing you're not dealing with anybody. Uh, it's just council rates that were behind schedule and a property that was yeah, in desperate need of some attention. Now, the agent come through, we we're just going to get his opinion on selling the property as is. He said, I can't sell it as is. It's too dilapidated. Uh, the place needs to be cleaned and I can't even sell this as a renovator's delight because there is no running water, there's no power, there's no anything like that. So we needed to get, get it to that point. So we thought, well, what's the timeline required to do that? You know, maybe two to four weeks. So we thought if we get in and do that in two to four weeks, how long is it going to take us to sell? We thought, well, if we auction it, maybe a month marketing campaign, you know, 30, 60, 90 day settlement. Within six months, we're going to have an outcome for everybody involved. 
So we we decided to put forward a um, a six month option. Uh, we had that signed off by the vendor with an option fee of five thousand dollars, and where we use the option fee as a, as a good example of negotiations is we understood the situation of the vendor. We knew the mo- we knew the motivation and what they needed there and then, and that was to move out, find another property so they could rent, pay their first month's rent, their bond, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, get back on their feet, furniture, etc. So we thought, well how much is going to be required to do that. So we did, we did some sums. We worked with the with the vendor and thought, well, if we put forward $1,000, is that going to get them where they need to get to? No, it's not. But we found that there was more bargaining room on the option price to purchase the property if we increase the option fee up front, which ultimately comes off the option price. So we thought if we were offering, you know, say $1,000 initially on a, a $65,000 option price, we thought, well, if we increase that option price, uh, so option fee to $5,000 up front, that gives us a little bit more negotiation room potentially to see how open they are. So all of a sudden, we come down to $60,000 option price, which is just building more and more profit into the transaction for us. Now, this is a, you know, this slightly below land value, but we're factoring in demolition costs, everything like that. We're not just focused on land cost as is. You know, the, the building's got to come down. Someone's got to pay for that. So we're not paying a premium for a dilapidated property just based on land value. It's got to be all cleaned up. So that may cost us $20,000, $30,000 in some cases. We don't know what's involved. So we'll negotiate all those aspects in to whatever deal we're looking at at the time if those types of demolitions are required. Throughout his career, Heritage has found success. However, at the start of his journey, he faced a challenge which he believes holds many people back. Because I think we all ask ourselves, well, what's holding me back? And a lot of it's it's the values that have been instilled in us from a young age. It's the colleagues at work that tell us that, uh, you know, it's not a good idea. Uh, it's, it's the parents in the back of your mind sort of saying, well, you know, don't do this or don't do that. So it's all those, all those aspects coming to the fore now where it feels like although we may be educated and we are surrounding ourselves with good people that we feel paralyzed and we actually haven't taken a step or we feel like we're taking a step where we've made a com you know a phone call to have a conversation with an expert but the next stage is the fear where we're reading too much through newspaper articles we're listening to the media where you know envisaging you know a, a major catastrophe that's going to chew up and take all my money these types of things. So I think it's just that the paralysis and fear factor uh, that, you know, it definitely stops people uh, from doing anything, although they may be in a position to do so. They're the ones that look back and will realise in 12 months' time that there may have been a correction, there may not have been a correction, and what opportunities have they missed. So definitely having the right mindset and being positive through that to realise that there are opportunities in every marketplace. You've just got to have the right people on board and you've just got to trust in the process and continue to ask the right questions to be sure in your own mind uh, that this is a journey that you need to start if this is if this is what's important to you and your future and your family. Heritage pushes the importance of talking to the right people and asking questions. There's a lot of boot camps, there's a lot of seminars, these types of things and, and you, you know, I, I went along to those and at this stage, you know, for me, 
the best experience I had was actually going to those types of events and meeting people of like mind. And some were current students, others weren't. They were just there for the experience and seeing what they could benefit from. And for me, it was about asking current students the, the questions. It was about, well, what are you doing? What have you benefited from? What would you change about you know, your decision to actually invest in this course? So getting getting to their level and asking them as to why should I actually start this journey? And I found that a lot of people that were current students would say, look, you know, if I had my time over again, I wouldn't do it. Or I found that this was, I was taken for a bit of a ride or, you know, I, I didn't get the support later on that I expected and it cost me $5,000. And But then there's a lot of good stories where, yeah, this is the person you need to speak to. You know, if you want renovation stuff, go and speak to Cherie Barber, conduct one of their courses, you know, f- associate yourself with like minds, get the templates, get the tools, these types of things, if that's what's important to you. If you want to do development type work, you know, Mark Rolton, these types of you know, guys, there's plenty of people around and I'm not promoting any particular individual because that's the course that I've done because that's not what I'm about. I, I think it, it's finding someone that you connect with as a mentor and then asking current students, asking for references and asking them the questions as to where you are right now and where you want to get to and how you think that person can add value to your life because it's not just money that you're investing, it's it's time. So, you, you know, that's one thing that we cannot give back. So let's do it wisely. Let's invest it smart and make sure that these people are actually doing something for us. Throughout any stage of your property investment journey, Heritage encourages you to continue to ask questions, in particular, why? And when I sit down with people and, uh, you know, this is this is to purchase property and, and they'll say, look, my financial advisor suggested this and financial advisors are fantastic. Do not get me wrong. They are fantastic and, and they are much required in, in people who need to uh, develop a plan or, you know, get get to that sort of stage of their life sooner. Uh, but what I find is I always ask, what is your financial planner doing? Why are they suggesting that? You know, they're suggesting you put into a managed fund. Why are they suggesting that? Have you, you know, outlined the benefits of what you're trying to do and where you're trying to get to? Same with your accountant, same with the solicitor. I always love to understand what they're doing today as investors. Are they investors or are they not investors? And, and some may be and some may not be, and that's not good or bad. It's about getting an understanding whether they're actively in the marketplace today as investors doing what you want to do, and if so, cool, what are they doing? And and asking those types of personal questions because I've had people come back that have asked the questions and the financial planners have, have you know, they've owned their own principal place of residence and that's all they do. You know, and you, you're wanting to become an active property investor. Uh, for me, you've got to find like minds in that field of professionals that can help you and, and guide you and direct you. Heritage finds questions to be so important because of a course he took in the early days of his career. Alan Pease is, 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 is fantastic for asking questions. So questions are the answers and I, and I get back to that because that's how I like to base my business now to understand not just my clients and where they want to get to in their investment strategies but also um, through the process of acquiring property or putting transaction deals together, it's very, very important to be understanding why people want to do what they want to do and why they're coming to you and why they're wanting your services. So through those types of questions on both sides of the coin, 
um, as either a, a buyer of property or an investor or a borrower of money, it's it, it's questions are the answers. So continue to ask questions. And if you're not sure what type of questions to ask, be, be upfront with the individual and say, look, you know, I'm not too sure what questions I need to ask, but I need some help to try and understand this in my in my world because as you can appreciate, we're all different. We all learn and relate to each other on different levels. So is there something that you can help me with here? This is what I think I want to do. Um, you know, is that something you can offer? And if so, how? And what have you done about your situation? So I think without confusing it all, I think the questions are the answers is very, very much how I live my life to learn, develop and grow every day in what I do and also very important for me conducting business uh, with my clients. When it comes to personal habits, Dave ate at Heritage along his journey, he attributes meditation and exercise. We recognize but don't know how to change or we start on the way to you know, trying to modify that behavior or, or that habit. Now, for me, it was a book called The Slight Edge, uh, which which really changed the way I started to think. And for me, the personal development journey is is crucial to my growth and my learning and, and my development, um, just personally as well as in business. So for me, it's it's the morning meditation ritual where I where I get up and I practice meditation because it, I do have to practice it. I'm no different to anybody else. It's not yet part of every everyday activity for me, although I'm working towards that becoming part of who I am, or as you mentioned, a habit. So that's that's a work in progress for me, um, just to clear the mind, get everything, get all the positive energy flowing through my body, and that way, once I'm fully engaged with every ounce of energy I can extract from the universe, I'm going to be the best version of me for everybody and anybody I'm associated with that day. So post that, you know, it, it's getting straight into the work mindset and that can be, you know, following up emails, documenting my list and just following through on things, making sure that everything's in control. Uh, now, beyond that, it's, you know, for, for me, high intensity, you know, people say to me, you look, you look good for your age and I'm 42 years of age and I feel as fit as I am when I was playing professional football back as an 18-year-old. And for me, it's, you know, my anti-aging method is high intensity uh, interval training and and I train ev- every day or most mostly mornings um, with the balance of nighttime sessions at uh, f45 in Northcote that's that's really my outlet where I can just get into the zone really work hard on on me and my body and my on my soul and because I know that that is what is going to give me the best form of longevity in my life as well as a balanced diet of, of really good intake and really good input of, of vitamins and minerals and food. So that's that's me uh, in, in essence. I'm really passionate about health and fitness. I'm really passionate about people you know, improving their current state regardless of how good or how dire that is right now, but also just developing that positive mindset because once they do that, They'll see clarity and they'll be able to make some decisions which will catapult them into not just a better person but a, but a financially better place longer term. In a typical day, Heritage is excited to be helping others as well as investing into his personal development. I'm really excited today because you know I've, I've got up, I've done my ritual, I've, I've done my meditation, I've 
you know, been to a 9.30 gym class. I've got the opportunity to share my story and meet a fantastic person as yourself who's there to add value to other people's lives. I've got a client catch up uh, shortly uh, with a guy that's really emotionally connected to this property and I'm providing some logic around that to help develop his skill set and mindset around uh, the biggest, one of the biggest investment people will make in their life. So we'll have some lunch and we'll talk about that and we'll look at the pros and cons and, and the whys and the why nots and, you know, we'll develop a plan together. So I'm really excited about shedding some light and adding value to someone else's life today and, um, you know, just building tomorrow, you know, more clients and another meetings with new people. And that's what will help me grow, not just a personal development journey, but also the interaction with great people. And that's what I'll continue to source and uh, investigate, you know, for many, many years to come because I'm really invested in my future self. Thank you to Mark Heritage, our guest on this episode of Property Investory.